that's all there is to mention in terms of announcements, but we're really blessed because we've got Paul and Ali and the boys here over from Cambodia. So do you guys wanna come up? Um, they're gonna share a little bit with us tonight. Can you just give them a welcome as they come up? Um, they are been serving in Cambodia and it's uh, so good to have you guys back just for a little while before you head back over. Do you wanna just share with our night crowd um, a little bit, Ali, about what you're doing over in Cambodia. That'd be great. Hey, good evening, church. It's awesome to be back here at Bridgie. We just love getting back here. It's actually the first time that we've come back as a family. Um, and it's been actually two and a half years since we left um, Australia to go and live in Cambodia. Um, I've been back a couple of times for some checkups with my oncologist, but this is actually the first time we hit Australian shores um, as a family, and it sort of feels amazing and surreal. And we've had lots of sort of pinch me moments and lots of reverse culture shock going on as well. We've had gasps of glee when we've seen bubblers that you can actually drink out of and, you know, gasps of shock and horror at the price of a soft drink. And then, of course, there was the joy when we saw Bunnings and the, the guys, you know, was like, can we go get a sausage at Bunnings? So we're having lots of fun just rediscovering like all the great things about Australia, obviously, the beaches and family and all those sorts of things too. But we love being back in Bridgie. Thank you for welcoming us back. Um, so yeah, basically the last couple of years, um, we've been, we've got basically uh, three things that we're focusing on at the moment we're serving. Uh, we work with an organisation called Alongsiders. Um, the boys are modelling some nice Alongsiders t-shirts, turn around. Alongsiders is a, um, a discipleship mentorship movement that's sweeping the non-Western world and we have the honour and privilege of working in the head office, Paul and I, um, as finance advisor and I'm HR and child protection advisor. One of the projects of Alongsiders is a very cool place called Shalom Valley. It's a um, the first ever Christian adventure campsite to be built in Cambodia. And so it's a pioneering work. Um, you can see some photos flashing up behind me of some of the things we're involved in. And so Shalom Valley kicked off about a year ago when we've had our first year of, of camps there. And so Paul and I are also involved in supporting the work there. And then the other thing that is sort of part of our lives is just actually being present in our local neighbourhood. Um, we just really try and love um, the, the families that are at our doorstep. And, and we have a little local church in our neighbourhood that has a soccer ministry and outreach to the young youth, the guys um, playing soccer. And so Paul and Elijah are involved in that. And um, yeah, and God's just using that soccer ministry to create more and more opportunities just to show His love to others and um, to, to really give us an in to getting to know families in our neighbourhood and just to share with them the love of God. So yeah. That's awesome. And Elijah, I don't know if you want to just share a little bit about yeah. Shalom Valley. Just share. Yeah, that'd be great. Hi, Shalom Valley. I've been there a few times. And it's just amazing to see what's going on there. Um, just to watch young and old Cambodians coming together and just praising the Lord and finding the Lord at Shalom Valley is just incredible. Even though Shalom Valley has like an obstacle course and they're building a new pool, they're awesome things, but I love to see everyone coming together and worshiping together. And it's just really a privilege to be living in Cambodia with my family. That's awesome. Do you want to share any last things, Paul, you know, before we pray for you? and? You guys. Yeah, just um, so just wanted to share a little bit about um, the work with our um, young soccer ministry. Actually, um, we've got a short video, but before I share that, I just wanted to just affirm how important this community, Bridgie, is to our family. Um, it's a real 
I get all um, quite emotional because it's the, the way you care for us in your prayers, messages, um, just words of encouragement throughout our time away. And also knowing that my young men here have a community to come back to um, when we plan to stay longer term is just uh, something that really is important to us as a family to know that we have that support. So thank you, Bridgie, uh, for offering that to us. It's a unique thing. It's something we don't take for granted. And um, I just want to acknowledge that tonight um, because it's um, really powerful that we have this community um, to support each other. And I know people are struggling in our community and I know you support each other really well. And I think that's a wonderful thing you offer our family as well. So thank you. Um, we can't do what we do without your support. Um, but before I share a little bit more about our sports ministry, I don't know if we've got a little video. We've got a two minute video, which will show you a bit of a glimpse into last year when Ali came back in August, um, I've got one more son. So the four of us were off on a camp. So there's a little short video that will show you a bit of an uh, insight into what we were doing last year, um, sorry, earlier this year with that. And then I'll share you a little bit more about that. So if we could have a look at the screen together. just shows you a little bit of an insight into uh, the camp that we um, had the privilege of taking um, in August this year. We took away just over 30 um, young boys from young boys, young men um, from our community aged about 13 to 17 um, to do a football camp, a soccer camp. Actually, it was a sports camp because we did a number of different, we played AFL, soccer and um, frisbee and, and it was just a great time. If you've ever been on camp and I've been quite a few, I, I just love the opportunity just to 
um, get to know people deeply, um, spend some real intentional time together. And, um, and so we've just found that camp does that for us. And that's why um, it's become such an important part of our vision at Alongsiders, uh, to make that available to our young uh, Khmer community um, over in Cambodia. And so, yeah, like I said, we took about 30 kids away and, um, and had times of just prayer and sharing the Word of God. And as you could see there, just, just spending time together intentionally um, to more um, give a greater explanation, understanding of what it is to be in relationship with Christ. And, um, and at the end of our time there with the boys, um, 11 of those boys from that community decided they'd like to know more about Christ. Um, through their time there. And so um, we were just blown away that through some sort of humble dreams that we had that we could pull together a camp um, and Bridgie supported us in that as well um, to, to, to make some, you know, inroads into deepening our relationship with those boys. And out of that camp, we also, and those young men deciding to, to wanting to follow Christ and know more about Christ, we've actually started um, a youth group, a time of where we can disciple the young boys um, on a Sunday afternoon, not only just play football with them for the two hours that we did um, originally, but also expand the program to offer another, another hour and a half where we actually spend time to talk about Christ, to worship together, to sing to play, to hang out um, like you would do at Switch or anything like that in a youth group setting, just to, to deepen those relationships, get to know the families and, um, yeah, just walk alongside them more in that sort of um, intentional way. So just wanted to share with you tonight um, that it's just a real privilege to be able to, um, to be there in Cambodia as a family um, and to, to um, yeah, to represent Christ in a place where um, a lot of people don't know uh, what it is to follow Jesus. Yeah, it's amazing. Do you want to share something else? Yeah. That's amazing. And I've always got to have the last word. Um, <laughs> and the exciting thing is for Bridgie is that we've been chatting to the pastors and um, we're hoping actually that a team will come from Bridgie um, in the coming year. So maybe around September, October time and that we would actually um, have the opportunity to host a camp um, that where we have a Bridgie team come, that Bridgie team would come and sponsor um, some of the guys from the, the local football club to go on camp once again and be part of a sports camp down at Shallon Valley. So we're really excited about the prospect of that. And I'm just sort of mentioning it now. I'm sure that, um, you know, the pastors will share more about it in the coming year. Um, but I'm just wanting to let you guys know, anyone out there, you know, just planting that seed to give you the opportunity to pray about it. But if you've got any desire to come over in Cambodia and sort of spend some time with us and just hang out with some young people playing sport, that'll be a great opportunity as well. Well, we want to pray for you, uh, certainly. What I love as well is, is everyone gets to play a part in the mission, whether it's Cambodia, Australia, like God wants to use your life. And it could be in Australia. It's just that God's called you guys specifically to Cambodia. Um, and so we want to pray for you. I reckon we'll stand together. Let's stand together now. We're going to pray and we'll continue in our service. But uh, let, let's pray for Paul and Ali and the boys. That'd be great. Lord, we, we just thank you so much uh, for this family. Thank you for their obedience, actually, uh, to the call that you've laid on their heart and their lives, great God, to uh, move countries, to move to Cambodia, to lay down their lives and uh, serve you in this way. And, and I love their heart. 
their desire and their hunger to know You more, to love You more, to serve You and be obedient to You, great God. And we are seeing fruit of that as You use their lives to impact these young people's lives, great God. Our prayer is tonight, corporately, right now, together, we pray for them as a family. And we ask in Jesus' mighty Name that their influence would only grow stronger and greater and bigger. We pray that those 11 boys who uh, have come to faith or are on a journey would come to know You in greater measure, that they would be the future missionaries and that a, a spark of revival would begin to take place in this in, in, uh, in where You've called them to serve, great God, that You would continue to use them powerfully, that many more, this would only be a little taste of more that's to come, Father God, that many more people would come to know You in greater measure, we really do ask, great God. And I thank You for their heart. Their heart is just to see people come to know You because it's the greatest thing, uh, Father God, that anybody could ever encounter is You, great God. And so we pray that for Cambodia. We pray that for this nation as well. We pray that for this city as well, great God. We just ask that Your Spirit would go forth, drawing many to Yourself in Jesus' mighty Name. And we pray for Your hand of protection over this family. You continue to use them. Lord, we just want to say again, we love You. We worship You. We thank You again that we get to play a part in what You are doing in the world. We are the most privileged and most honoured people. In, in You know, we are just so thankful, so grateful, great God. We love You so much. And so we thank You and we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, guys. So good to have you here. Um, we're going to take up the offering as well. Let's give them, a, yeah, give them thanks. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to pray in a moment as we come to God's Word, but uh, we are really blessed tonight to have Trav Granger coming to share the Word with us. Uh, Trav is jumping on our team next year as a youth working, looking after our Switch Youth Ministry. We're really excited about that. Trav and his wife, Lauren, as well, I should say. Um, well, um, Trav's teaching as well at the moment, teaching at Mueller College. We'll be doing that part-time and working here at the church part-time. We're really excited about Trav doing that. And I realise as well, just before Trav comes up, this is the last service of the whole decade. That is pretty epic, don't you think? The last service of the whole decade. So I'm going to pray, ask God just to bless Trav as he brings God's Word to us. We're going to give him a massive encouragement after I've done that as well. And we're going to open our hearts to what God wants to say to us tonight. He wants to speak to each and everyone, wherever you are on the journey, however you've ended up here tonight, I just want to say you're so welcome here. And God is a God, as we just sung about, a God of incredible love. He is a God actually who's not distant, but a God who loves to draw near, speak into each and every person's heart and life, no matter what your journey has been. This is who God is. And so many here could talk about that tonight as well. So let me pray as we come uh, to hear from God's Word tonight. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your incredible love. Thank You for each and every person here tonight, Lord. Here we are at the end of a decade, in fact, great God. It's been amazing to see the things You have done just this year, let alone the whole decade, great God. And so we want to pause for a moment and give you thanks and praise for your faithfulness, for your goodness, great God, for your grace and your kindness that you pour out upon us again and again, Lord. We are such broken, frail people, Lord, but you as you come near, Lord, you give us your strength, great God. You fill us, fill us with your power, you fill us with your love of what we've been singing about tonight. Thank you that you care about each and every person here tonight, Lord. You want to speak into our hearts and our lives. So here on this last Sunday of this decade, Lord, we open our hearts to you now, great God. I encourage you, in fact, just to pray that wherever you are on the journey, say, God, speak to me tonight. Speak to me tonight. Even if you're not even sure if he's real, just encourage us to say, God, if you're real, speak to me tonight, I pray. 
And so, Lord, just bless Trav as he comes. We thank you for Trav and Lauren. Thanks for their heart just to serve you in the year ahead. And we pray your blessing over them as well. And we give you thanks and pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Can we give Trav a massive, massive welcome tonight as he comes to share? Thank you so much. Well, I want to extend my welcome as well to you guys tonight, whether you're part of this church or you're just visiting for the first time. It's really great to be with you here tonight. It's been four days since Christmas, and my body is officially in phase four of recovering from the food coma that is Christmas breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Phase four means I can begin to stand and verbally communicate as opposed to just rolling around and grunting my requests. So I hope you two have recovered and you're well rested from the Christmas season. As Nate said, 2020 is upon us in just two days' time. And I have to admit, I did feel the pressure slightly when Nate asked me to speak um, because I did feel the pressure to provide something incredibly uplifting, impacting, insightful, something that would fill us with life, not only going into a new year, but a new decade as well. Um, I felt the, pre- the pressure to provide something that would define your 2020, maybe be like a prophetic word or something, something like that. And I thought maybe something along the lines of uh, maybe the best is yet to come. And I thought, nah, it's been done. Can't do it. I thought maybe getting a giant globe of the earth to come down from the ceiling um, would help, but that's been done as well. So I couldn't do that. Um, And with the theme of summer psalms in mind, um, Matt brought an excellent word this morning on Psalm 84, and I've landed on perhaps one of the most well-known and certainly quoted Bible passages, in the Old Testament at least, in Psalm 23. Many have memorized, quoted, or reflected on Psalm 23, a lot of people who wouldn't even claim to be a Christian. You'll find it in sympathy cards or being recited at funerals or memorials, or on gravestones, it has become the go-to passage for comforting people in times of tragedy and grief. Now, before you say, wait, that doesn't exactly sound like the most uplifting message I want for my 2020, let me tell you, it's because our society, Christian and secular, often misinterprets or definitely misapplies this psalm. It's because there's that little phrase, and you'll know it, the little phrase, which is, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it gets applied to physical death. And I'm not trying to prophesy that for your 2020. This is a psalm that has way more to do with life than it does with death. And so tonight, my prayer is that we would not only be comforted by this psalm in reflecting on the year gone by, but also encouraged and inspired by the life that it gives So let's read Psalm 23. It's going to come up on the screen for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, to better understand this passage, we need to break it up, and and we're going to look at it through the three different settings of the psalm. So first we have the green pastures, then we have the valley, And then we have the banquet. 
And we can see three characteristics of God in these three settings. We first see God as a provider, then as a protector, then as the host. I did try and think of a catchy name um, for host that started with P, but Google synonyms only gave me party giver, and it just it didn't have the same vibe. So host it is. So we start with God as our provider, and we're straight away given this analogy of God as a shepherd. Now, of all the analogies that the Bible could give us, why is the Lord constantly referred to as the shepherd and his believers the sheep? In the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, we read that um, we we read that there's the words of the wise, which are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. Isaiah 40:11 tells us that the Lord will feed His flock like a shepherd; He will gather the lambs with His arm. In the New Testament, we have in John, Jesus clearly spoke of Himself as the good shepherd who gives His life for the sheep, and who can say, "I know my sheep, and am known by my own." Hebrews speaks of Jesus as that great shepherd of the sheep, and in 1 Peter, Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of your souls. One of the main reasons is that sheep are one of the only animals which, without a shepherd or someone to lead them, become well and truly, hopelessly lost. Now, we know um, most dogs can find their way home. Um, Cats have absolutely no problem going drifting in from house to house, finding their way back. We know that birds um, can migrate across the globe. We know that you can drop pigeons up at Bundaberg and they'll fly back to Brisbane. I've seen it myself. Even chickens can make their way home without help. A few months ago, we got two beautiful chickens. I say we, I really don't think my wife Lauren was as keen as I was. We got a little pen built for them. We named them Mary and Martha. (laughs) Lazarus, he's still out there. He's yet to rise. (laughs) And those beautiful girls have provided eggs for us ever since. And ever since we we got them, we let them out in the late afternoon. They poke around in the backyard until the sun sets. And then they waddle their way back to their hutch and they hop into bed and they tuck themselves in. I don't have to shoo them. I don't have to go out with my staff and my rod to comfort them back to their hutch. They do it all by themselves. Chickens can find their way back to their homes all by themselves. But sheep are not like that at all. Sheep are well and truly hopelessly lost without a shepherd. In fact, there's a story from 2005 in eastern Turkey where 1,500 sheep were gathered together in one spot. Several flocks with several shepherds all gathered together. Now, the shepherds must have, it must have been lunchtime or smoker or something because they all clocked off and went and had their brekkie or whatever, and no one was there to watch the sheep. One out of the 1,500 sheep had a bright idea, and that was to jump over a nearby cliff. And what happened next? Well, the entire flock of sheep saw this one little sheep, one little eager sheep, and thought, hey, that guy knows where he's going. Let's follow him. And so it wasn't until 400 of those sheep had gone over the cliff edge that the next sheep reconsidered when he saw that those sheep had died. The estimated loss was $74,000. It is true that the only time in the Bible that sheep are seen as favourable are when they are under the guidance of a good shepherd. 
And so this psalm uses the comparison of God's people as sheep because of our tendency to stray without the guidance of a leader and the subsequent danger that arises without the guidance of God as our ultimate shepherd. Isaiah 53.6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. Sheep also have the tendency to be more concerned with what is outside their fence than what is inside their fence. Um, I grew up on a couple of acres, which was just enough space to have animals like um, goats and horses and sheep and stuff. Um, And the thing with sheep was that no matter how green and lush the grass was inside their paddock, they would still stick their heads through the fence to get to the grass on the other side. We would come home and sheep would be bleating and we'd have to go and pull their heads out of the fence because they'd gotten them stuck once again. We ended up tying bits of wood to their head so they couldn't get it through the fence to stop them, to save them from themselves. And the verse tells us that our Lord makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He gives us sheep all that we need. Yet often we can't help but to look at what others have and to grumble and complain about what we have. You know, we say things like, his grass is greener than mine. His pastures are nicer than mine. All of us fall victim to the comparison trap of our own desire to want things that will ultimately not satisfy us. You know, things like houses, cars, promotions, new clothes, the perfect family, the perfect friends. And as David writes this psalm, he understands this and he says, I shall not want. Not that he loses his zest for life, not that he loses all desires for things. He just knows that deep down all is provided for him by God and that he shall not desire more than what the Lord, his shepherd, gives him. And if you're sitting there being like, I don't know, I don't really like the idea of being compared to a sheep. Like, I think I'm a pretty good person. The language that is used is not offensive at all when, when you look at the fact that David says the Lord is my shepherd. Sheep are not wild animals. They're frequently bought with a great price. So David knows that he's not merely property, but he is deeply loved, cared for, watched over, and preserved by the Lord, his shepherd. He could relate to the sheep's foolishness and its dependency, and he declares that he needs the Lord, not just as a shepherd of multitudes of sheep, but as his own personal shepherd who will guide him in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The idea there is that we wouldn't fall in love with the provision of the shepherd, but we would fall in love with the shepherd himself and give all the glory back to him. So this first established trust and dependence on the Lord provides us with the the much-needed context for the next part of the psalm, where we see God as the protector. Now, it's this part of the psalm that I mentioned at the beginning um, that most of the world knows and widely misuses. It's misused because without the the previous for his namesake part, it really just sounds like the ultimate pep talk. Like anyone can use it. Anyone can say, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, you know, just before they're going into a boxing match or for a job interview or something like that. You know, in, in times of hardship, anyone can say that, that part. You don't have to be a Christian to say that part. But the distinction between it being just a throwaway line or a motto like that is that it needs to be applied with reliance 
on God. David makes it very clear that it is God who leads him through the valley. It is God that protects him, and it is because of the Lord that he fears no evil. There's nothing of his own doing. David recognises that he is just the sheep. He knows he's not capable of getting through the valley without his shepherd's guidance, nor is he truly able to fear no evil without God's protection. There's two major parts we can learn from this part of the psalm going through the valley. The first that I want to mention is that the Lord leads us through valleys. His intention is never for us to stay in valleys and set up camp and live there. The passage is clear. He leads us through valleys. The second is that whilst we experience the presence of evil and suffering, we are ultimately protected by the Lord. So the first, while the Lord provides us with green pastures, still waters and everything we need, we still walk through valleys. Each one of us has or will at some point walk through a valley and we will, we will experience suffering. Like we, like we feel like we're there. We'll, never actually, we'll never actually get out of it. And maybe 2019 was one big valley for you and you're only truly getting out or maybe you're still in the valley here tonight. And this psalm mimics so well the sharp turns life can have as it moves so quickly from green pastures to the darkness of a valley. When Lauren and I got married earlier this year in April, we planned a honeymoon to the US and I assumed the responsibility of planning the honeymoon while Lauren did most of the wedding stuff. I had never been to the States before, um, so a lot of my planning was really just research, online stuff. We didn't go through a travel agent or anything like that. And I thought we had done a pretty good, well, I thought I'd done a pretty good job. Like, I was pretty stoked with how it was looking. There was lots of little transfers, and we were hopping all over the California area and, um, you know, renting a car and all that sort of stuff. And I was pretty stoked with how I'd planned it all. We got married. It was all green pastures and paths of righteousness. It was great. Everything was going good. We got to the airport to check into our flight, um, and we were just so excited, so looking forward to the trip. But when we went to check in, the electronic kiosk that the airports have wasn't letting us check in. We were still in green pastures land, so we thought nothing of it, and we went to the desk to check in. What we were not prepared for was for the airline person to tell us that we had not done our Esther's visa waiver, waiver forms to actually allow us entry to the US and that it would take 72 hours for it to go through before we could go on our honeymoon. Talk about a valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> I think I was more emotional than I was on the wedding day. I could see all my honeymoon planning down the drain. Even if we did get there three days later, we would have missed a huge chunk of San Francisco. It would have thrown everything out. So thankfully, Lauren was still in green pastures still from the wedding day before. And she remained like that for the next, well, ever since, actually. <laughs> and she pulled us together. She got us praying when I couldn't speak. We were able to board our connecting flight, at least, to New Zealand. And just hope that the Lord would do a miracle. And as we took our seats on the flight to New Zealand, we checked the status of our visas online, um, not expecting much. But there in little green writing said approved. 
It happened just two hours after we applied and we were able to go on our honeymoon unscathed. So I know that story doesn't remotely come close to depicting the real and painful valleys that we go through. But the reason I told it is it, it, just, it does depict how quickly life can go from ups and downs. You know, things like sickness, financial instability, relationship issues, anxiety, loss of employment, loss of a loved one are all unfortunately part of this life and all can strike so, so quickly. And the thing about this passage is that it doesn't tell us that the presence of evil is no longer a part of our lives, but rather we are ultimately protected from it. We are merely travelling through the valley towards what? A banquet. The valley is not the destination. This is the, the truth tonight. The valley that we go through, the valleys that we go through, is not the final destination. The Lord leads us through the valleys. His staff and his rod comfort us. His direction and guidance by his word in the Bible and his spirit in us ministers to us in times of hardship and tragedy when we feel the weight of evil. It's with this part of the psalm as well that there comes a change in the language used from referring to God as he, so in the third person, to now the second person of you. You are with me is the prayer of David. You know, this is not just a lofty theological truth, but a real and deep uttering from David. You, the God of all eternity, are with me in the midst of this valley, no matter how big, how small. You are guiding me, Lord. So the first thing to recognize is that the valley is temporary. The second thing to mention that the verse talks about, the passage talks about, is that the shadow of death as it's referred to, as it ominously appears in the valley, can make us feel closed in and like we'll never get out, is merely just a shadow. Charles Charles Spurgeon puts it like this, death in its substance has been removed and only the shadow of it remains. Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite, the shadow of a sword cannot kill, the shadow of death cannot destroy us. And in 1 Corinthians, we sung about this earlier tonight, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What we do know is when God came as Jesus to this earth, he did away with death forever by dying on the cross. He made a way for death to not be the end, but for the end to be eternity with him in heaven. And despite this part of the psalm offering great comfort for those close to physical death, I understand that, it also provides incredible joy for the living as well. Because we can live in the freedom of knowing that death has been conquered once and for all. Therefore, despite the darkness and feeling closed in the valleys that we go through in life, If we are under the care of God, our shepherd, the fear of evil, the fear of death is banished. The valley is temporary and therefore we need not fear the shadow that it casts. So we're at the last part of the psalm now. I understand that I'm going quite quick and that there's so much to pull apart, but I love how we can view God through these different lenses um, in this psalm. 
But the last part of the psalm has David now out of the valley and at a table prepared for him by God, the most giving and loving host. His head is anointed with oil, which was typically what happened for guests, and his cup runs over. God is providing his guest David with more than he could ask for, making sure he's comfortable, has everything he needs, and that his cup is never empty. And you might be wondering, what kind of shepherd does that for one of his flock? And Dr. James Voice says, in Israel and in other ancient societies, a shepherd's work was considered the lowest of all works. If a family needed a shepherd, it was always the youngest son, like David, who got this unpleasant assignment. God has chosen to be our shepherd, David says. The great God of the universe has stooped to take such care of you and me. You know, we see the Lord give David green pastures, streams of water, everything he needs. He leads him through the valleys, through battles, through hardships. And then at the end, it doesn't stop there. He prepares a table for him with way more food and drink than he needs. Not only that, the host does this in the presence of David's enemies. And what David's saying here in this psalm is that the host's concern and care, God's concern and care, doesn't eliminate the presence of the enemies, but rather enables the experience of God's goodness in spite of the enemies, even in the, even in the midst of the battle. Even through persecution, through trials, even with the enemy at the door, God prepares a table and we are invited to sit with him in perfect peace. As McLaren puts it, this is the condition of God's servant. This is the condition of being God's servant. Always conflict, but always a spread table. It's the condition of being a believer on this earth. Living in the conflict of knowing that there's still work to be done. There's still people that need to know about the good news of Jesus. There's still, there's still battles to be fought. And we might be persecuted or ridiculed or downtrodden. But the Lord always says, come, let me fill your cup. Let me give you a place of, re- of rest and of peace. The love poured out by the host is immeasurable. It goes beyond just the duties of a caring and protecting shepherd. And David certainly doesn't deserve this, and, and none of us deserve this. Yet even so, David finishes with the calm assurance that this isn't just a one-off, that this isn't just because David was a good boy, he gets this. No. We get the assurance, just as David had the assurance, that surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Meaning whether on this earth or in heaven, I will enjoy the presence of the Lord forever. And so we can have great hope, church, heading into the new year, because God gives us this kind of access to him as well. The same God who provided, protected, and hosted David is the same God now and forever and does all those things for you and for me as well. And we can have deep assurance tonight knowing that we will be given everything that we need from God in great expectation that he knows what is best, that he is giving us everything that is good and right for us right where we are. And those amidst suffering right now, 
I want you to know that God is not leading you into the valley to stay there. He's leading you through the valley here tonight. We can take heart tonight as we trust that his goodness and his mercy will not only guide but also protect through all hardships that we face now and that we will face in the future. And though we see a beautiful picture of God's provision and love for us in this psalm, the truth is that God's love didn't stop there. The word tells us that we have all turned away from God. We're all like sheep. We've all gone astray. Yet God did not abandon us. Instead, he sent his son Jesus into the world, who lived a perfect life when we couldn't, and who died a criminal's death for us. The ultimate shepherd became the ultimate sacrifice so we could be in perfect relationship with God. It was all his work, all his plan. So this is good news, church. I want us to be excited about this, to be encouraged by this. We need to take hold of this as we, as we journey into 2020. Let's carry this victory into the new year, into every environment that we're brought into next year. May the hope and goodness of God be ever-present in every part of our lives. May we learn to rest in Him and trust in Him and walk into the new year as His flock. May we allow our lives be guided and transformed by the ultimate shepherd, Jesus. Let me pray. God, you provide us with everything we need and more than we can imagine. I pray that we would know just how deeply we need you and how strongly you yearn to lead us and provide for us. Help us, Lord, to seek your paths of righteousness, to do what glorifies you, not us, and to continue to trust you in times of great difficulty and suffering. Lord, I pray we enter into the new year in complete surrender and trust in you. Amen. Thanks, Trav, so much for sharing with us. What an awesome psalm to reflect on uh, as we head into a new year. And as Trav was just preaching, I, I just just stood out for me um, some, some of those promises there, particularly the last part there where it says that you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And as Trav was speaking, I just had this prompting to actually, as we finish this service tonight, the last service of this year, uh, to actually give people an opportunity to be prayed for for your 2020. Knowing the truths of this passage, just heard from God, God's word to us about his provision, about his protection, about his promise to lead us and guide us, his heart to pour out his blessing over our lives as we seek him, as we seek him and look to him for 2020. So if you're here tonight, um, we've actually got some oil down the front here. And as the pastors, we would just love to pray for you, just to anoint your head with oil, exactly as it says. I'll just get a little bit of oil on their thumb, just put on your forehead and pray God's blessing for you for 2020. As Trav said, maybe this has been a tough year, maybe it's been a full-on year, and you're saying, God, I'm just committing my 2020 to you, whatever whatever your situation has been, in fact. Nothing better than I'm, here we are in the last service of the year to say, God, I'm trusting, committing, looking to you for this year ahead. Maybe you're here and you've got something new that you're stepping into. Uh, maybe you're here as a family or as a couple and you want to come as a family together. Just come down the front and we just love to pray God's blessing for you as a family for the year ahead or as a couple um, just, to, just to pray that blessing on you. It might be just here on your own tonight and you just know God's been speaking to you and saying, God, I want to pray that you would lead me, guide me, direct me into this year ahead. 
And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that. You'll feel free as we sing this beautiful song, which expresses these truths of reflected in this psalm here. And as we sing that, you just come down the front. The pastors have got some oil down here. That'll just anoint you, pray for you, ask God's blessing for you for the year ahead. I can't think of a better opportunity to do that than right now, the very last service of the year. So why don't we stand together? Let's jump on our feet. And if you want to be prayed for, you come down during this song. We'd love to pray for you, ask God's blessing for you for the year ahead. And let's worship and honour Him as we do that together. We're going to sing another song of worship. It's the last, last service of the decade. We're going to have to sing some more worship. And we want to keep praying for people as well. Just enjoy His presence tonight. We're going to sing of His great love, how great His incredible love is for us as well. Continue to come down. We want to pray for you tonight. We want to ask God's blessing for your 2020. And just enjoy worshipping Him on this last service together. Let's continue to lift up His name and praise Him. And we'll continue to pray for you as well. Let's worship together. Thank you so much for sharing with us. There's still some people coming for prayer. Keep coming down. You can grab a seat where you are. And uh, just want to invite you to come share with us again. Every Sunday we're here. Next Sunday, six o'clock as well. You'd be so welcome to come and share with us. But don't miss being prayed for. We'll continue to pray for people down the front. Thanks so much.